This is part two of my podcast, 10 with Ty, featuring the renovation queen, property expert, and mentor, Jane Slack-Smith. Now, if you want to hear her answers to my first seven questions, download part one. And don't forget to subscribe. Number eight, what legacy do you want to leave yourself or your, uh, your community or your children? What legacy would you like to leave after? I think, you know, when I think about legacies and impact and I think about, you know, the emails and the, the messages I get to people who say, you know, my life has changed. And I was talking to my husband about this recently because, you know, as I shared with you, um, I'm about to go into stop being a mortgage broker after 18 years and I'm, you know, I've taken all of my property courses off the market because I'm looking at how I can um, use those to service more people and democratise wealth in property in a whole new way. And I said, but, you know, gosh, there's, there's so many things I could be doing. You know, there's so many people I could be helping. And he said, what if you already helped the one person that you really needed to help already? What if you've already done that? And I think about the people that I've served and I've been in service rather than in servitude and I look at that and I look at, you know, my mother taught my sister and I and my father, um, you know, and we had nothing growing up. But, you know, she was the president of the Royal Blind Society and the Save the Children Fund and, you know, we had, you know, kids come and stay with us when the parents needed respite and we would go and read to keep sick kids in hospital. Like Dubbo, you know, wasn't like this great place where there was people doing all these volunteer things. But my mother taught us that, you know, we are fortunate and, you know, we have an opportunity to, you know, make a, a difference. And, you know, when I went and started working in Singleton, I knew my grandfather was in an old person's home. And so I went and volunteered, and, you know, after I did my shifts at the mines, I went and volunteered at a, um, a retirement village and I turned up and I said, no one does this. <laughs> like, why are you doing this? Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, I actually like learning the stories of people. I understand, I, you know, people, everyone has a story. I'm interested in the story. I'm interested in the people. And if there's no one getting visited, I have a really, I have a really moving story if you want to hear it on. Yes, yeah, have you got time? Yep. Okay. So I, I, my parents saw the absolute value of um, my sister and I having a higher education and, and uh, going to boarding school uh, for the last couple of years of our education. So we went to boarding school in Sydney and one of the girls that was in my sister's year, um, her father was, you know, high up in one of the oil companies and she was from America. And, you know, at the end of year 12, the father said, I've got all these frequent flyer points you know, my sister could go overseas. I was like the first person in our family had ever been overseas. Like we were so excited. And so she went over and spent, you know, a bit of Christmas with with um, with this girl, Alison. Fast forward five years later, I've gone and volunteered at the Singleton, you know, old people's home. And I'm talking to this beautiful lady, Elsie, and she's telling me how amazing her family is and how proud she is of her son and, you know, how incredible it is to have a gift of being able to leave like a country town and go and, you know, go to university and have these incredible adventures and really set the family up and how proud she was. Anyhow, so I'm walking down the street and here's Alison. I'm like, what are you doing in Singleton? She said, oh, my grandmother has passed. And I was like, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. She said, yeah, she's in the retirement home. I said, oh, I used to visit someone there. She said, oh, her name's Elsie. I'm like, I used to see her. And she's like, 
oh, my goodness, my dad is in such a bad way because he's so guilty. He left the country town. He went to university. He went to America. He set up, you know, his whole life there. You know, he's just, he's a wreck. I'm like, oh, let, let me tell him what she was telling me. And so I had this opportunity wow. to give him this gift, right, of how proud she was and how oh, she right. lived. Her, she felt that she had lived fully because he was living fully. Changed everything. And so, you know, I just I look at these little moments as gifts and, and I think, you know, every time I look at legacy, I look at my son and I try to teach him things. It's like, Mum, you know nothing. I'm like, yes, one day you might think I do. I hope that you come back and watch this podcast. But, you know, you know, I look at that and it's just those intergenerational changes. I I always imagine the reason I started Investor's Choice Mortgages, Your Property Success, was I was like, if most, more than 50% of the relationships end in divorce mm. and there's kids in these dual relationships of moving here and there and they don't have the parents sitting at the table, they don't have people modelling what good, healthy relationships and money are like, you know, if I can actually keep more parents together because the number one reason for divorce is financial and they're having these conversations and saying, this is, you know, come and help us paint the investment property. No, nah, I don't want to do that. Come on, you know, if we do this, the rent goes up 50 bucks a week and you can have, you know, an extra lolly, whatever it is. They're learning this and it creates intergenerational change. That's yeah. why I spent the last 20 years in doing that. That's fantastic. I'm sure many people appreciate it too, Jane. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Just I, I heard that stat too the other day about the divorce um, rate as 50%. I was in, I, I, no doubt it's a lot of it's financial and and then there was actually an article of this talk about Rupert Murdoch and now he's on to his six and it goes up 10% every time, right? Obviously not with him, it's not financial, but by the sixth marriage, he's up to like 90% chance of failure. Can We Tie is brought to you by Washington Brown, the property depreciation experts. Number nine, what does success look like to you? Oh, as I was walking out the door, I asked my husband this question today just to confirm that we're on the right page. Okay. Um, on the same page, let's put it that way. So success to me is waking up every morning with the world as an adventure, with the time to do what I want, with whom I want, when I want. Oh, so yeah. for me, success is complete freedom of choice. Now, financially, I spent, you know, the last 20 years, you know, manipulating people into financial success, thinking once they have financial success, then they can have the freedom. And what I've learned in the last you know, five years and, and working with my you know, clients in your success club is that you don't need to have money to go for what you want. And if you do actually understand how and what you want and you have that vision and you have the emotion of what you want to create, Jesus, incredible how often it just turns up. And, you know, I make 10 choices with, you know, my business coach around what I want to create in the next six months and I've just had the privilege of doing it in the last weekend and then every single morning I go through each one of those 10, takes me about 10 minutes and I think about what that looks like and I make the choice that I'm creating that and I look back over that process that I've done over the last four years, um, so over the last two, three years and I've created every single thing that I wanted to create. I have that vision. And so I have the belief that I can do it. And if I get out of the way of, you know, myself and my fears and my beliefs and the conditions, I can I can make things happen. And I think, you know, 
we we work within this matrix. We work within the boundaries, and our boundaries are the conditions and the material needs and the beliefs that we have. Well, rather than working within the boundaries, I work with the boundaries. So I'm like, well, what if that doesn't exist? What if I have this choice? Funny story. I have this choice, which is, you know, I'm open to the gifts and enchantments that the universe gives me. I'm going to be aware of things, coincidences, opportunities, and you know, just just little things that make me happy. And you know, I've been over the since COVID, I've been walking the streets for my two hours, you know, a day that I was allowed out, or one hour a day at some stage. And I just have my phone with me. I take little photos. I'm like. I'm seeing the extraordinary and the ordinary. I'm just, mm. you know, this is interesting. And over the last two years, people have come back to me and said, you know, your photos, hashtag awe and wonder, your photos really kind of got me through some dark spots. I, I don't, I don't um, do anything on Facebook other than look at your photos. And I thought, oh, you know, every now and then I upload them to Unsplash and I went and had a look and it said in the last, and it said, what did it say? It said, your photos had 30,000 views. And I was like, that's incredible. And I'm like, that is just amazing. And then I realised it was for the last 30 days and I looked all time and it was 900,000. I was like, what? And I was looking at it this morning. It's 1.5 million, <laughs> right? And I was like, and 10,000 downloads. And I was in awesome. like this crazy thing the other day and I, and I just, they said, what image do you want? I said, oh, uh, a, a, a grass image of Melbourne and one of my photos came up, right? So it's just like I look at that stuff and I'm like, yes, I walked to work this morning and there was this ring just on the ground. I'm like, okay, I'll wear that. Let me tell you, I loved going for walks with you in Melbourne every morning during lockdown. Um, I love what you do on Facebook. Number 10. Now, this is what the really, I guess, the crux of this podcast okay. is about or, you know, because I've – as, in, as you know, my father lost his mate and start with uh, Silver Spoon and I've done quite well and I've only got one child. Um, I don't want, you know, what is it the saying? The, the first makes it, the second consolidates, the third loses it. So we're at the consolidation phase in my family's life. Um, and so Warren Buffett, you probably know, he's, he's, he, he said rule number one was never lose money and rule number two, never forget rule number one. But what he didn't say was how do you, how, how do you, how do you achieve rule number one? So how do you how would you tell Taylor or how would you how would you tell the aspiring investors out there, um, not just for my daughter, I'm hoping this is for your son as well. And and like, you know, this is something hopefully you can pass on. Um so yeah, so how what would you tell them to achieve rule number one? Okay, so I thought about this mm. and I think once again I'm gonna throw this question around a little bit. Okay, you know, good. not expecting. No. Because what I've learned about educating, you know, tens of thousands of people about property and wealth um, over 20 years and then I look at the last three, four years where I've really kind of worked out why people are successful and why they're not. So when I look at that question and I was like, how would I say to Taylor, would you not lose money? I would say reframe the question on what is that you really want in life and what is that you need to be able to do that? What are the skills? What is the invisible investment of time and research and knowledge that you put in that actually manifests into you living your best life? So I'd say to you, Taylor, 
Don't think about making investments from how am I not going to lose money, but think about how do they actually contribute to you getting to you living your best life and what you want it to be. And it's okay not knowing what that is now, but it's having the vibe of, you know, I just want to be able to to have the choice to do what I want. Maybe I do want to work five days a week, you know, as a as a nurse or as a doctor, as an engineer, or as an accountant. Maybe I want to hustle a little and, you know, be a digital nomad. And it's about having choice. So don't come from investments from how am I not going to lose money? Come from investments of how is this going to contribute? I'm going to be open to the opportunities. No, there'll be challenges. No, I have to do work. No, it's not like just think it and it will turn up like the secret. We're talking there's work to be done. There's will. There's action. But what can I do and be aware of that allowed me to get to that end goal. If you've got this part far on the podcast, you now know why Jane is one of my first guests. Um, that's a fascinating, excellent answer. I'm just looking forward to all the variety of answers. Now, there's one thing I didn't tell you, Jane. There's a bonus question. And every time, so as I said before, everyone's done a, these, these questions are going to be on the website. There's not, it's not a secret. I'm hoping people that come on this podcast have a think about it. Um, because they can be answered in many different ways, right? Um, but there is a bonus question. I'm going to ask a bonus question, and it's going to be based around a bit of your skill set, right? So, bring it on. And I thought about your question. I thought, well, you are the Reno Queen. You've done a lot of renovations. And I said, at first, I thought, why don't I ask her, what's the best amount of spend on a property to get the best return as a renovation? I thought, well, that's that's a silly question because. What have you got? A $2 million property? You've got a $200,000 property, right? So it's, uh, you're not going to spend a million dollars on a $200,000 property, even though I've seen some overcapitalization in my life. Um, but then I said, well, let's refine it. What ratio, if, if you buy a property for 500 grand, what, what do you think the ratio of the purchase, of, of the renovation should be relative to the purchase price to get the best return? I know it can be varied, but as an, as a, as, if, you're an, if, if there's an investor out there thinking they want to do a renovation, what would you say as a percentage? 101 Masterclass on Renovation, Strategic Renovation. There's a lot of properties that can be renovated, but there's very few that deserve it. Now, in that $500,000 price point, what you need to start with is an understanding of the comparable price points of what the properties are that you want to renovate up to. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, at $500,000, if I said to you, you know, there's a refresh renovation, which is essentially, you know, going in and cleaning things up a little bit, doing, you know, maybe new bench tops on the kitchen. There's a repair, which is like elbow grease, just go in and like rub it down and make it clean and clean the laundries up. You know, and that's like 1% of the value. You know, the repair might be 5%. A cosmetic renovation is usually 10%. So on mm. a $500,000 property, you know, it'd be $50,000. Yeah, yeah. Now, I would never, and then there's the, you know, restructure where you're spending a significant 30 to 40% new, you know, butler's pantry, you know, the box on the back, you know, all those kind of things that I taught for years. But when I look at, if I was going to say the best way to look at it is like I won't do a renovation if I can't make $2 for every $1 I spend. So for a $500,000 property, if I'm spending fifty grand, I need it to go up to $600,000. So $2, my profit's $50,000, my cost's $50,000, $500,000 gets me to $600,000. If I can't find a $600,000 property in that suburb, in that area, 
that's, you know, not a four-bedroom when mine's a three-bedroom, not on 600 square metres when I'm on 300 square metres. If I can't find a like for like at 600 grand, then looks like it, you know, and know that I can do the renovation for 50000 to get to that level. So I'm not talking like there's a pool. I'm talking, you know, cosmetic renovation. Then I walk. So, you know, at 500000 it's very difficult to actually, you know, do those type of strategic renovations and find that gap. You know, I think that for it's really these days it's closer to eight hundred thousand to a million dollars where you can actually find that price point where you know you're at a million dollars you spend hundred grand and it's it gets to over one point two million you need the, the to be in that suburb that much of a gap and at those lower price points it's hard now that's why we talk about the Trident strategy buy below the market. If you can get that $500,000 property for four fifty, dollars because, you know, you're good at negotiating or you found the opportunity, it looks too bad, you've got an out-of-area salesperson who doesn't understand it, you know, everyone's in lockdown during COVID, whatever it is, if you're buying at that four fifty, dollars you're making money then. So, you know, you really don't have to necessarily get up to the six hundred dollars with your renovation. So, you know, there's opportunities in those suburbs. I'm not saying if you can't afford a $500,000 property, never do a renovation. But what I am saying is it has to be strategic renovation and it has to be for the right property. If you own an investment property, then Washington Brown can help you pay less tax with an ATO-compliant depreciation schedule. Visit washingtonbrown.com.au to pay less tax today. Do you just want to just finally just um, run through what the Trident strategy is for people that don't um, haven't heard of that before? Sure. I, I mean, essentially, I think it's in the book, right? <laughs> There's a picture. Um, but essentially, you've got the book there. What page? Uh, we've, we've each got a book. But it's kind of simple. Like, if you look at it. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is my this is my scaredy scaredy gap tactic. And like I can do all the research, you know, I can take the sixteen and a half thousand suburbs in Australia. I can look at the last twenty years of data. I can see which suburbs outperform the others. I can come up with characteristics and look at the suburbs I want to be in. So I can do all that for growth. But then I was like, as a mining engineer, or you know, explosives expert, I needed to have plan A, B, and C. So I'm like, A, B, and C. Tried it, and that was one of the the name came from my business co- my mortgage coach at the time. I'm like, I need this like it's like this thing. It's like it's like a trident. I'm like, yes, what it is? It's a trident strategy. And so the first way to make money is to know the area, do the research, understand the market, understand it's a three bedroom house, which streets the renters are in, free information from the census, understand your market. So you need to understand that market completely. And you make money when you buy. Now, this is the only part of the triumph strategy that I possibly would give up on. Like at the moment, the market's moving, right? I'd be buying it at four fifty today, and it could be four seventy tomorrow. So if I can't get it less than four fifty, yeah, okay, fair enough. But you know, I strategically, there's always a way. And then I would add value in the long, you know, medium term, and I would do that. You know, I did the four hundred twenty-five thousand dollar property, a fifty thousand dollar renovation. And it revalued at seven hundred thousand nine months later. I pulled the cash out, and that started my the rest of my property um, portfolio. So it gave me leverage, but it allowed me to increase the the rent as well. I had better renters, tenants that stayed for longer. 
And then in the long term, it's the growth. The growth is going to be the thing that allows you to retire. Cash flow helps you, you know, hold the properties. But, you know, I speak to people who've bought a property for $500,000 10 years later, you know, and at the time they're like, it was cheap. You know, I got, it was supposed to be five fifty, but I was in Tyree and, you know, this house next to dad's and the guy said you can have it for five hundred, and it was, you know, it was bargain. It's still worth five hundred. Right, ten years later, whereas my five hundred thousand dollar property is worth two million, you know. So, you know, well, not two million in in twenty years, it was two million. So, you know, you've you've got you know, being that right area, it's that growth that's going to get you out of the rat race into the choices, into the freedom, into the vision of life that you want to live. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had so much fun and learnt so much. But I can't thank you enough for being on this podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Jane. Absolutely. And Taylor, listen to your dad more. He knows stuff too. Now, if you want to get in touch with Jane, the best way is via her website, janeslacksmith.com.au. If you own an investment property, then Washington Brown can help you pay less tax with an ATO-compliant depreciation schedule. Visit washingtonbrown.com.au to pay less tax today.